Hello dear, dear fans of Indian football and followers of Khel Now. Welcome to the brand new episode of Khel Now's podcast Beyond the Score, the podcast which strives to bring you the, some untold stories from Indian football. As always, we have a guest with us today and a very special one too. The Indian Super League club FC Goa needs no introduction amongst fans. If they are not your favorite club, chances are high that they might be your at least second favorite or fans who don't have a club from their cities they might they, they are, most of them are supporting them over the year fc goa have made many strike in indian football and are one of the success story in the field right now and at the helm of the club is the director of football ravi pushkar who join us today prior to becoming director of football at fc goa ravi was the head of technical operation uh, at fc goa and he played a pivotal role at the in the club finishing as a isl runner up alongside listing the super cup and also the goa pro league in 2018-19 season since becoming director of football his, uh, his team has won the league, uh, last year league winner shield you know 1920 season not last year and later won the durand cup earlier this year meanwhile fc fc goa gearing up for another season in isl which is only a few days away now without a further ado let's welcome ravi and know him from his takes on indian football journal and fc goa in particular hi ravi welcome to the show hi ashish So, Ravi, straight away, let me ask you one question. Can you share your journey? How did you become a director of football? You know, and when this thing started for you that you want to work in the technical side of uh, football? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, to be completely honest, it was not by design that I wanted to become a director. Um, I'm actually a journalist by qualification, and when I started my Uh, time at FCO as well. I was handling the marketing and the communications departments, but obviously as the club grew and you know the ownership changed hands, point in time, which was the 2016 season, um, I started working a little bit closely with uh, the club owner and president Akshay at that point in time. Um, and then as we went about transitioning from a franchise club where we had all levels of the ecosystem built out, that is not just the first team, the entire youth setup and the grassroots systems, etc., and everything. uh we worked quite closely because i was one of the few people who transitioned over from the previous ownership onto this one um and even then i had a part to play in the tech matters but was not really the primary lead on it um but over the past couple of years um responsibilities have been added i've been given more room to work in that department and you know i've been surrounded by a very good set of uh uh people who've helped me to just ensure that you know whatever we're trying to do and we've had success on the field and also off it how this indian director of football role is different dif- different from the you know european football we see people have played football manager and we have read about all the director of football in europe you know so how this role is a bit different from them and what are the similarities with with, with the director of football role in europe yeah i i mean see the director of football role in europe i think is a very clearly defined clear cut idea of what the role requires um, it is strictly to do with a lot of scouting recruitment uh, does not really entail into the operational aspect of things etc and, so, uh, and so forth i think in india i don't think any football club is at such a stage where you know director of football can only focus on just one aspect of the entire technical planning i think it just goes into the overall picture and found etc and i think because we are still effectively in a manner of speaking football clubs are still operating as startups right where all hands on deck on every single possible possible project and i think that is the way to go because it gives you an understanding of belonging and also gives you a clear picture of where the club is headed right where you're constantly involved in all the projects you would get to see exactly what we want to do with each different little uh, and that allows you to sort of focus on the bigger picture at all points in time yeah so now let me come to the fc goa you know and uh, of course you have touched upon the various role you have been involved in uh, 
but now i think fast forward this season now your new role also you know you are part of a strategy planning of the club and we all know about akshay's plan for the club to make it a sustainable you you just touched that indian football club like a startup so what differ, other than scouting players for the first team or coaches or technical staff what are other operations you are you know part of the club right now yeah so i mean technical is just one aspect of what uh, we try to do here that is the aspect that is more commonly known to the people in terms of what i do so beyond that as well we do have the entire youth ecosystem right so we do have team uh, the under 18s the under 15s the under 13s we also have an extensive grassroots program so part of my work does involve having to work with those different departments to ensure that there is a connection between what they're doing right from the grassroots level we have to the first team there is some level of sync because as we've mentioned previously as well our intention is to build a pathway for any footballer at the age of 6 or upwards to feel like there is a distinct pathway to make it to the fc goa first team um and my job entails connecting those bridges and those dots uh, to ensure that there is some level of synchronization so that whatever the first team is doing in terms of say tactical training preparation or planning is also reflected across the different age groups that we have uh, in the entire club ecosystem right uh, beyond that in strategic thinking as well like you know we are obviously entering the women's football sphere as well we've had the team active for the past couple of seasons now how do we take it to the next stage uh we're also looking at goa as a footballing hub so what do we need to be doing within goan football to make go more attractive proposition for footballers but also for the footballing ecosystem of india to come and feel like they can play a lot use the facilities that are already available in the in the state and i've also taken on a little bit more responsibility in terms of working more closely with the marketing and sponsorship departments etc and everything this year because we've had a bit of an internal restructure uh where we're trying to align what our technical thinking is with also with our marketing thinking so that they do present the same picture and paint the same story that we're trying to do yeah so i think fc goas not just in terms of marketing but social media approach this season look bit different to other clubs and even to fc goa previous seasons you know i think that's good to see a, a, the changes coming to indian football now earlier we know that you know most of the work in say marketing or sales or even social media were outsourced to the companies but now most of the clubs have their in house resources to do same activities throughout the year you know not just during the season now let me ask an interesting question which people want to i think know about it transfers so how do you prepare for a transfer window say summer transfer window and winter transfer window you know of course there are foreigners sometime you need to hire a new coach as a director of football as a you know in charge of the, these decisions how do you prepare for it and uh, what kind of activities you do before signing a foreign player or signing indian players do you talk to the uh of course we know about your, your club have some connections in spain to you know to get the uh, real scouting of the players instead of watching the videos so how do you prepare for these kind of stuff yeah so i mean see my job for the next transfer window begins the moment the current transfer window right effectively once we have the squad in place uh we get them onto the training field we are identifying what is working what is not functioning etc and then you know there's always things that a football club and a team can always on right there's never a team which is perfect there are always little details of them to always looking uh beyond that we also believe in proactively scouting players across the country and across the different markets that we are familiar with so to ensure that we are staying ahead of the curve and we always do have an take in case of any challenges that are do arise right for example uh, in a hypothetical situation more park of players fails to integrate with the team um or emergency where he has to go back to his country for whatever particular reason but is not sure so we always have a preset uh, of targets identified where we feel like this person can come and replace them as a like for like replacement 
Um, all, obviously, all of that stems from the original planning that was done as a club, where we know exactly the style of football that we want to play. So we know who are the footballers that we feel will fit that profile, and then from there, obviously, going down into the B team. Uh, in terms of what sort of stuff we do when approaching a coach or a player, I think they're two very drastically different things. In terms of the coach, it does require work, um, of conversation with that particular person because I do believe that while football is all about the final product and what is the result on the pitch, I think it's very important to understand that person, whether it's a coach or a player, as a human being. Right? Um, are they people who we feel can integrate? the club is thinking. Do they align with the club's culture and philosophy of how we want to run a football club and also our teams? Uh, importantly, do they feel like there's somebody who we feel we can integrate into the Indian culture because it is vastly different to maybe a European or South American club. Um, what is their sort of long-term object, uh, objectives in terms of how where do they see themselves developing? And we try and put all of them together, right? We want to see ambition, uh, that hunger to succeed, the desire to work with youth players and a genuine interest in India and in Indian footballing culture. When we feel like we have the right combination, that's when we try and hire a coach. Um, in particular seasons as well, I mean, to just go a little bit in terms of points as well, we feel like we, felt we needed a very distinct and specific kind of profile. Uh, we felt like we had done certain uh, groundwork in terms of building the style of football. Now we felt we needed to add a few weeks to it and that's when we felt Juan's profile fitted the best in that regard. Right. Um, similarly to that as well in terms of the player. When we go out there and we're looking specifically for players who fit a certain role that we want them to perform within the team. Right. Um, so if it's a holding midfielder who's able to easily build out from the back, is able to work the press uh, and work in, in synchrony with the rest of the players that we have in our squad. Right. I mean, it is all one big puzzle. We're just trying to find the perfect piece that fits in every corner. Um, Touchwood, we've had luck, I think, where we've managed to nail most of our profiles up until this point in time. Um, very rarely have we not had the right profile come in and do the work that we expected that profile to do for us. Um, but I think that goes uh, down to a lot of background work that we do, a lot of thinking, a lot of discussion happens. Uh, we don't run an autocratic process where it's just one person's decision. Um, while you might see my signature on the piece of paper that is finally signed, there is a lot of thought behind in the team that I have with me. Uh, I have some excellent resources who work with me uh, in the background to sort of get the information out there, uh, to re uh, recollect as much as we need to. And then we take a sort of measured decision where it's not just one person making a decision. It's three or four of us weighing in equally and then running it past the coach, taking the coach's opinion. And then we go back. And once we have conviction from across spectrums, that's when we actually go and sign the player. Uh, so let me come first on the Juan, you know. Uh, so, of course, Lovera and FC Go didn't have many coaches like other ISL team. You had Zico and then Lovera and then Juan has come, come now in the charge of the club. How many calls, because it's a COVID world, I mean, understand you can't travel to Europe and to meet the coach if you want to sign them like, like in past. How many calls you did with Juan? And other than Juan, how many coaches, uh, at least you've spoken once, you know, uh, before finalizing Juan as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, through the course of last summer, we had close to about 100 plus profiles that came in, right? Uh, not all profiles show the same level of interest. Some are just throwing their hat in the ring and hoping that, you know, something comes out of the dark. Uh, but there are particular coaches who did sort of, you know, do their homework on the club. They knew what they were talking about, etc. And we felt compelled to speak to them a little bit more, right? Because we value preparation from a coach when he's showing that level of interest. But the least to at least, you know, give them the opportunity to speak and express it. Uh, and in Juan's particular case as well, I think we spoke to him about four or five times before we actually even discussed anything along the lines of salary, etc. and everything and all that. Um, and it was just to un ensure that he was in sync what, what we were trying to achieve. 
and whether FCO as a club is in safe one's project for his future career paths etc and everything as well right so i mean sure we bring a coach in to develop uh, what we have already here but we also want the coach to feel like he will also learn something from here and can take as a carry way moving forward right because i'm pretty sure any coach who wants to make it big in life their ambition is not to be the fc goa head coach for the next 20 years right we do want to have it said that the coach work with fc goa but move on to bigger and better things and hopefully that's the case that will happen with all the coaches that we bring across the board and yeah um, to the first point that you mentioned we've not had a lot of coaches um, it's a very simple um, belief that stems from the owner's vision and philosophy that we want to be a club that is stable where there is job security uh, where people do feel like okay there is enough opportunity for them to grow and excel within their thing uh, we're a young club we're not afraid of committing mistakes as long as we're learning from them um, and i think that's what we try to inculcate not just into the players but also the coaches and that's why you if you notice we give chances to coaches who are on the younger side um, we're not worried about the experience factor etc what the world thinks about them if we're convinced in what we feel they can add value to the club in we will definitely go in that direction again goes to the same with the players as well right that's why you see so many of our players from our reserve team to the first team because we believe that at some point or the other people have to be given an opportunity and age should not be the deciding factor in when they get that opportunity okay so uh, just one question on the coach selection again you know so you know the agent sending the cvs of the coach many coaches might be uh, applying by themselves so do you when you filter down those cvs you say 100 of cvs have come do you just see the cv or you see the what coach have sent a presentation sometime coach prepare a specific presentation while they sending a cvs and how do you filter those cvs you know your team went through the complete profile of the coaches or with the name and then you see the if this coach fits our uh, our philosophy then only we will look in for the detail of uh, his his profile no i mean i i don't think it's fair to just look at a cv and then make a decision based on that we do obviously go and watch some of the coaches in terms of we don't tell them that we're watching them but we do watch their videos right uh, how do their teams play is there a style of football that we feel will fit into what we are trying to achieve out here we also do speak to people in and around that team. you know might be a possible player a different coach who's worked in that same ecosystem might even be somebody who we feel we can trust to give an unbiased opinion on what they feel that coach coach can add value to right so we do do all of that um we do extensive we feel whether that coach can add to what we're doing but not just add but also improve upon what we're doing right so discard all the cvs as uh we do look through them properly uh but obviously there are some stand out cvs that will operate you right in the face and those obviously you have to pull aside and do a little bit more extensive detailed reporting and uh, understanding into but beyond that we do generally look at uh, a lot more cvs but of course i can't claim to say that every 100 of the cvs that came we looked at every single coach's profile and felt like okay we can we do there are some obvious names that jump out and we always do you try and make sure that we don't mess up any fruit okay uh, so let me just ask one more question about the player transfers you know fc goa have kind of sell their players whenever they need they have bought some like dheeraj who was not playing you know much with hk mohan bagan and then of course came to fc goa and there is no doubt on the talent of dheeraj because we all know about his talents in their youth days so how tough is decision to sign player like dheeraj because who has not played regularly for a, for a couple of season with his club and then club like fc goa trusting him to come during the winter transfer window and then start playing for them playing champions league so what kind of uh, thought process behind you know the signing player like dheeraj uh, from a rival club especially hk mohan bagan is a kind of a rival for fc goa in terms of success in isl yeah i mean see the, 
throughout the course of the year, uh, whether it's in season, during the transfer window, outside of the transfer window, there's always windows of opportunity that open up. Um, so I think it's very important to keep your eyes and ears open. Hear how the system is moving and where things are, because it is a very fluid system that we work within. Where you know sometimes players get certain amount of playing time that they feel like they're going to be getting, and then be something else altogether. There are players whose potential perhaps is not being used to the fullest. Our job is to ensure that we keep our eyes and ears open, and every time we see an opportunity, if we believe that that profile can come in and help improve what we already have existing, we will take a step in that direction. Uh, and to be completely transparent, last season. Uh, we were looking at Viraj for a much longer period than when we actually signed him for. Uh, but we did have Nawaz with us. But once we hear that perhaps Nawaz would not like to continue with FC Goa because he had a better offer from a rival club, we felt it necessary to go out into the market and act proactively rather than act in reaction. We um, pushed uh, through with the Viraj deal as quickly as we could. And we're glad that we made that uh, move because I think he's come up out here and um, steadily as every game that he's played with the club, he's grown in confidence. Um, and I think his performance is there for, uh, for everybody to speak, but I don't feel they need to justify how well he's done for FCO so far. Yeah, and we have seen that, you know, other youth players also coming through the system of FC Goa has been, they have done very well, especially during that Duand Cup. People were impressed with like Papuya coming up, you know, playing the centre-back role and the other players also. So, and we all know what this FC Goa philosophy for a while now to get the Indian players. And I personally feel that FC Goa is now kind of in a best situation that you're just four foreigners are allowed in a playing 11. And now you can say that FC Goa has, can field their 11 of our Indian players, you know, and those 11 Indian players in each position are the quality players. So that's given, uh, not advantage, but that's given credit to the FC Goa works in last two, three years, which they have done in terms of the developing these Indian players through the system or signing young players and then, then making sure they are confident enough to play in the Indian Super League. So that's my another point is scouting for these reserve team players, you know, uh, because many of these reserve team players are coming to their first team. So what's the process to do that? Are you dependent on the scouts in the uh, regional levels? Now, of course, there's a COVID. We are, I'm talking pre-COVID. Uh, pre uh, and what is the role of the uh, Derek Pereira as a technical director in bringing these young players to reserve team first and then to the first team? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the scouting process, to answer your first question, um, we have a pretty clear process. Uh, we do have a set of scouts uh, who also develop as analysts within Goa. Uh, we do have these scouts as well, whose job is just solely to look at different matches, different players, etc. and everything. Um, I think it's pretty widely known that FC Goa will always try and champion Goan football players first because we believe that we should develop our local ecosystem and then try and spread ourselves a little bit further once we believe that we've really done as much as we could for Goan football. Uh, so we've always tried to give Goan football players more of an opportunity, at least in the youth systems as well, because if we start bringing players in from different states at that point in time, uh, say at the under-13, under-15 level, we're going to leave the goal players behind and obviously that's not what the club stands for. We need to obviously make our local ecosystem strong and as a consequence of that, you will see everything around us being a lot more stronger. Um, I mean, in terms of finding those players, thankfully there is decent amount of footballing action within Goa. I think there is some semblance of a structure in terms of opportunities for the younger players. There is an under-13 uh, uh, tournament, there's an under-15, there's under-20 as well and obviously there's a Goa Pro League. So that is some amount of football that we can obviously you know, rely upon to identify players. And it's easy for us because we have Goa sort of big state. It's easy for us to identify. And in terms of uh, scouting players from outside of Goa, um, we do have people within our system who travel when we have to to different tournaments for the players. And we do have people 
who is stationed across the different states because i mean scouting is an expensive process if one person is traveling from goa for every single tournament uh, so we do have people in different states we do have some partner clubs where you know people keep an eye out for us on terms of specific talent that they feel will fit into the profile um i think identification is about 25% of the job uh, once they come to goa that's when coach derek and his backroom staff and all the coaches across the age groups really take over because even for the likes of the players that you've mentioned right for example papuya came through the system christy has come through, they've all been promoted to the first team this year um they've not come ready made to us right they were not ready two years it's taken a lot of hard work from coach derek and his backroom staff to instill the club's idea and philosophy into them again ensuring that it does not deviate too much from what the first team is trying to achieve where the intention is very clear of what we want to do and how to look after the ball and when we attack when we defend etc how we work in transitions so we've always kept that connect close and the big credit for that has to go to coach derek because ever since we've instilled the entire club ecosystem of youth to football and first team he's always been an integral part of it and he's led that process for us in terms of identifying the player developing them and ensuring that they actually do have the capability to move from the youth team to the team and fitting seamlessly where there is no integration process required once they come to the first team where perhaps they're coming in and they're able to perform when required to yeah, so let me uh, let's talk about the upcoming season now which is just couple of days away uh, i personally feel that fc goa might be, they are in the best position to win the isl trophy because they have won the league shield in past so do you think so that objective for this season is now to make sure that you know not just win the league shield but get the isl trophy also well let, let, let me i mean can be very honest with you here the diplomatic answer for me would be to say now nah, let's see how this goes and we will see um but to be completely honest um we have communicated this to the players uh everybody in the first team and this stems from the belief that we've seen within the team as well that we do believe that we're ready to challenge um not just for the title but we also do want to go back and play in the asian champions league as well again uh we've tasted that once before and it was not enough we want to go back there and play there again um and the only path to that right now is to win the league shield as well so for us we uh very clearly and openly saying that we're challenging for everything possible and the objective for us is that uh we're not looking to finish in the top 4 and hope and success um anything less than a silverware will be considered uh, perhaps not meeting of our objectives so we're very honest yeah that is the thing i'm sure it will add a little bit of extra pressure yes but i've seen the team from up close for the past three and a half four months and i do believe that there's a belief that is flowing through our team which i believe can push us uh, to the top so so there is you know thin line between the belief and the confidence and overconfidence so yeah. do you think you, uh, as a coaching staff you know the coaches and they need to keep a check on the players you know so they don't take game easily you know that will win it. even if we play bad will win it because you have that quality in the squad No, no, no. I mean, I, I don't think there's any room to have any sort of overconfidence or any, uh, let's say, easing of uh, how ISL is going to be. It's a very tough, uh, balanced league in terms of uh, where any team can beat anybody on a given day. So if you go to a game and you're dominant and you're not able to impose yourselves on the game, don't be surprised if you find yourselves a couple of goals behind within the first fifteen twenty minutes. Right? That's how the league works here, and for that, the players are well aware. uh last season was a transition season for us where some of the younger players got an opportunity we had a lot of new foreign but this year there's no excuse for anybody to not perform because we've seen what the league is capable of uh and they know fully well exactly what the team is doing and i think each year every team is only getting smart uh working more efficiently to ensure that they do up the standards from a technical perspective um so we also know the teams around us have improved and we've also tried to do the same and try and improve ourselves as well um and then it's just about going out into the best of their abilities because 
in our squad, the one thing that I'm extremely happy about is that if there's a player who feels like he's got his role for guaranteed and thing, there's somebody sniffing right behind him and ready to take his spot up. Yeah. So, I, let me ask about Durant Cup, you know. Uh, we know all about the weather, back training facilities and everything. But winning that Durant Cup trophy puts the winning mentality among these young Indian players and they know that, you know, what is mean to lift a trophy. Do you think it will help uh, not just the foreigners, but the Indian young Indian players that what is to lift a, a trophy like Durand Cup and then it will make a easier path for them towards in the ISL games and then winning that ISL trophy also? Yeah, I mean, yes, I agree with you to a certain extent, but also not because the ISL and Durand Cup are two completely different trophies. Uh, we're going to treat them, we have treated them as individual trophies. We're not now relaxing that, oh, we've won the Durand Cup, so now it's okay, ISL is going to be equally easy. The ISL is a different ball game altogether. Uh, Mistakes are going to be punished a lot more harder this time uh, in the ISL. So, for us, it's, yes, definitely, like you said, it is where there is confidence flowing within the team that, okay, yes, you know, create that little spark to believe uh, and make the team believe that you've made that next step, right? I do believe that Durant Cup has helped us do that, where even players who might possibly be doubting what their capabilities are no longer in that frame of doubt. Uh, I would be very surprised if all of our players didn't approach every game the self-belief that they belong at this level because they've time and again proved it. Um, some of them have matured over the past four or five years into leaders in the team and we expect them to sort of pull else up along with them to ensure that the team is performing optimally in every possible game. Yeah. So, Duel Cup also uh, kind of brought a cu- couple of injuries for FC Goa, you know, and uh, then there is a uh, injury in the preseason games for Mohamed Nevit. So, how squad, squad is shaping up in terms of the injuries are these injured players back in the grass training or, you know, what is the stage of the recovery right now? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we were unfortunate where Jorge got injured in basically what was his first uh, game of the preseason. Uh, Nemil picked up an injury towards uh, the last couple of months, uh, the last month or so, just at the beginning of the month. Um, but thankfully, as I speak to you right now, um, there's nobody who's sitting on the injury table uh, out for a prolonged period. Um all of the ones that we've just mentioned are all back on the ground again and they're training as well. Uh, and we hope that, uh, if not anything, most of them will be available within the first one or two match days itself. And of course, this is a consecutive season now, which will held held under the bio-bubble. So, and we have, I have talked to lots of people in this podcast only. Everybody has touched upon the challenges of COVID-19 and the these bio-bubble to the pyramid mental health and the other kind of preparation while of course last season many clubs not able to prepare properly because of it now this season clubs have learned it and they have you know make sure their pre-season plan are you know prop made their pre-season properly and you know prepare for the season accordingly so again any new challenges this time around preparing a team for ISL you know compared to the last season yeah I mean see to be honest every season is a challenge this is the one thing that I've learned across the course uh, last four or five years that I've been with the club uh, in a technical capacity, where no matter how well you plan for something, there is always something unforeseen that does come up. Um, and I think ultimately it's successful is about a collective set of decision making and taking the right decision at the right time. Uh, this season as well, we find that you know being in a bubble would be challenging to the mentally because I was personally in the bubble last season with the team and I realized you know how tough it can be who do have family and also on players who do not have family around because they're missing them. Um, so, we've got an in-house sports psychologist this time working with the team 24-7, living with the team within the bubble as well uh, to address whatever things there might be. 
We've tried to make their stay a little bit more comfortable this time where we've tried to give them access to as many open air spaces as possible because obviously being confined to a hotel is no fun. So try to make that hotel look as big as possible in every manner of speaking. Now we've tried to find more for them to feel like they do not have to constantly think about football. Um, and obviously, all of that stemmed with the fact that the players also mentalized a little bit better and mentally prepared better. Uh, we hope we'll make this anything uh, but as challenging as last day. But again, there are little things that will keep propping up and it's up to us as the management and also the coaching staff to ensure that we do face these challenges head on and nip them in the bud before they become a bigger issue. Now, talking about the transfer business done for this season, FC Goa has not, you know, their team is very similar to the last season. They were only, I think, three to four players which they left the club and three, four clubs have come into the club. Let me start with the forward, you know, centre forward. We have seen ISL clubs struggling to replace their, uh, say, prophetic goal scorer once they leave the club. So, in last two, three seasons now, FC Goa has, uh, the Koro was one of the, you know, highest goal scorer for FC Goa. He left the club. You guys brought in Igo Ingalo, who was on the higher side of 30s, in mid-30s in age. You know, and he, again, did well, scored the goals. Again, he's signed by Mumbai City FC. So, again, FC Goa has brought in another Spanish striker. So, uh, what is the success mantra for this to replacing a striker with a successful striker? Because I can see a couple of clubs who are who are kind of uh, not able to do it for last three, four seasons. And I think their whole season uh, get kind of... Uh, not get the similar kind of success if they had that uh, that kind of a center forward with them. So, what is success mantra behind uh, signing these successful striker with FC Goa? Uh, I mean, there's no magic uh, sort of uh, to it. Uh, it's a pretty simple process. Uh, we always try and look at two things when it comes to striker. One, does he fit into the team's profile of play? Um, so, we are looking for a striker who's able to operate smartly between the lines um, because we are a team that does uh, keep the ball for quite long and extensive periods of time. So, in that situation, a striker has to be a little bit more patient. Uh, keep moving, keep working the defence line, always try and find the gaps either between lines or behind uh, the defensive line as well. And when the opportunity comes, they should be sharp in front of Koro. Um, Koro obviously is perhaps the most complete striker I've seen and that is from a zero bias point of view. He genuinely is the best all-round striker I've seen in the league up until this point in time where his build-up play, uh, his finishing, uh, his ability to read what was happening, his patience on the ball, to make, make the right moves at the right time, to create spaces, not just for himself, but for teammates, uh, I'm yet to see. is unparalleled. Uh, Igor, again, was perhaps finisher I've seen. Uh, I think he had about 15 chances in ISL last season uh, and he scored 14 of them. Uh, again, his ability to sniff out a goal, to find the right space behind the defensive line was secondary to none. And we hope Iran it's of both where he's able to work between the lines, but is also able to sniff out goals. And Iram's history indicates that he is a natural goal coacher and we feel like in our system, he will do what he has been doing for the past 10-15 years of his career where he sniffed out goals left and centre for the clubs that he's been playing with. Did club try to retain the Igor? Um, to be completely honest, we made a decision at the end of last season that you know we might perhaps want to look at a different uh, for various reasons that I'm unfortunately unable to discuss at this point in time. Uh, so, we didn't make an effort to uh, continue with Igor. Uh, we felt like perhaps we needed a little bit of a different profile. Um, but I'm glad that Igor has moved. Again, we get an opportunity to you know prove his talent and skill because he's undoubtedly one of the best finishers I've seen in the league. So, how do you feel it when, say, a player you scout, uh, scouted and brought into the ISL and then other clubs on the following season have signed them? 
do you feel that you know of course they have done with fc go but your scouting has worked is helping other clubs also sometime i mean yeah sure if it's i mean we don't take particular pride in the fact that our players are moving on to different clubs it just means it's form of reinforcement that we're doing our job well but other clubs do feel like fc go does get their players uh, right and um that's a big pat on the back for the entire recruitment team who works within the club because then that just means that we're just doing our job well and you know perhaps maybe they can start paying us a little bit of um, scouting fees for identifying talents and bringing them to the clubs and does this put up more pressure on you because uh, to replace a koro and then ngalo uh, this season and to other foreigners also to bring that you know same similar kind of quality maybe better quality sometime and make sure the replacement does work out well for fc goa I mean I wouldn't call it pressure I just call it I consider it a challenge and I think uh, when a club or an individual at any particular level of sport does not feel like there's a challenge in front of it uh, life can get a little bit monotonous so for us we're always open to that idea of having to replace anybody uh, I don't believe that any individual is bigger than the club uh, whether it be the coach a person in the management or the player itself right so we always feel like we're up for the challenge and we always want to go out there and try and do what we can and try and improve on what we previously done right so if we felt like we did 7 out of 10 things right last season we want to do 8 out of 10 things right this season so challenge yes we would love to uh, because it's always an opportunity for us to test our own skills and ultimately i think a person only improves or a department or a club only improves when they keep testing themselves and pushing themselves to the limit uh, we might not always succeed but we do feel like we are sufficiently experience to be able to do uh, what we need to do from our end and be thorough with our research and hard work to ensure that we get the profile that we're looking for now another second signing you have done for the asian asian defender again fox from northeast united do you think isl club are finding difficult to bring quality asian players because the very we know about west asian foreign uh, asian players they don't want to leave their country even for the europe so i'm sure that they will not want to come to india and i have seen with other clubs also they also kind of struggled to bring the similar kind of quality which they have in other foreigners in terms of the asian foreigners do you think uh, what isic clubs can do to attract these asian players or bring the better quality on board yeah i i mean i wouldn't say isic clubs are struggling to get better quality on board um i do think that there's still a huge amount of quality in the league this year i think some of the clubs that have signed say the clubs that did need to do a revamp or have bought sort of a different set of players and i think they've done extremely well I think this year there's a big challenge that there's the Arab Cup, uh, where a lot of the players will have to go back on national team duty there, and obviously them going away on national team duty means they're missing about four to five games, and which accounts for about 25% of the season. So obviously, no ISL club would want to have their player lose out for that amount of time. Um, but I do believe that as time has gone on, uh, particularly for us as well, last season once we started playing the Champions League, the clubs that we played against sort of felt like, oh, hold on a second, we were told something else about India, and the perception is something else altogether. but we do feel like your players can go head and toe with any of our players and you gave it as good as we got so the perception is changing steadily um, i think there is a lot more interest from a lot of the uh, western nation countries towards india now and don't be surprised perhaps maybe in the next year or two years once i mean the one big challenge that we had this year was we are continuing to do a bubble scenario to play our leagues up whether it's a little bit more open so that for most of the players who never been to the country was a mental block you know why would you sacrifice say a possible freedom you have to go and play you basically and find confined to a hotel and you're only able to step out for trainings and practice matches or for the real thing itself right so that was a challenge that i think a lot of clubs have had to overcome this year to bring in some quality players but i do believe that once things open up and we do go back to a normal scenario it won't be such a difficult um uh, sort of uh, attempt to bring players because the perception is definitely changing about indian football there 
And what about the Fox? How difficult was his signing from Northeast United? We all do know that there was a complicated clauses. Northeast have done with the majority of the foreigners they've signed in the last few seasons. You know, they have a one plus one deal, kind of a complicated deal, which I, I'm sure not many clubs in ISL are doing it. So how difficult was to bring Fox to the club and uh, how much effort you and your team has put in to get a signature on board? Yeah, I mean, see, to be completely honest, I think Dylan was absolutely fantastic from the moment we got in touch with him in terms of, you know, how what he thought of FC Goa and how he tried to join, etc. Uh, and to be completely honest as well, every time I spoke to Northeast as well, they were very chivalrous about the entire process. Uh, they never caused any impediment in any to us. Uh, we're thankful that we have a very good working relationship with the club and they felt like, okay, if the conditions of the clause were met, uh, either by the player himself or by the club, they would not stand in his way, as was the legal right of the player to decide what he wanted to do next. Um, so it was just about ensuring that things fell into place. And the only reason we were taking our time was because we do want it, we did want to ensure that we got our striker on board before we completed the Asian signing. Um, because we didn't want to leave any room for inflexibility at that point in time. And that's the sole reason why it took as long as we did. But otherwise, the process was pretty transparent between the clubs and the club and the player. And uh, what about uh, the Indian players? You have kind of just Mohamed Neville was signed with FC Goa and now he came back to India. So what was the uh, thought process by, behind the decision to bring him back from Spain? Do you guys thought, you know, uh, from getting reports from coaches from Spain that he was ready for ISL this season or he was just brought into a part of the squad and you were surprised with his performance in the Durant Cup? Yeah, I mean, see, Neville, when we signed him on a long-term contract, the intention was obviously always to ensure that he graduated to the first team. We had seen him in person when he was playing for the uh, for the Reliance Young Champs teams, etc. And everything that he was a standout player. Uh, he was in Spain to what we would call his footballing education, where you know we felt he would get more opportunities, more playing time, etc. And everything. And this summer, we had a couple of clubs in Spain as well, where you know they sort of offered some sort of conditions, but we felt like perhaps it was time for him to take a shot in the ISL first team. And I was confident that he would be a player who would be a standout, um, who would be able to crack the first team. And I felt he had enough technical and uh, tactical understanding to fit right in with the rest of the team. And I think that's been the case that he's proved himself in Durant Cup. Uh, having said that, I don't think he's a finished product just yet. I still do think there's a lot of work that needs to be done with Nemeth. But I'm confident that the more time he spends with his teammates and with the coaching staff and with the club, the better he will get. Uh, if he improves upon his defensive I'm pretty sure he'll be a top-class player and he will be getting a national team call-up hopefully soon enough. Where do you see him playing in the long term as a number 10 or the right winger? Um, I think Neville is best when he's playing through the middle of the pitch. Uh, he should be somebody who should be shunted out to make room for somebody else. I feel he's best placed in the middle because he has a wide range of passing and he has excellent vision. So, to make best use of his skill, I think he should play through the middle. But that's my personal Let's see how the coaches and how the player himself sees. Uh, now, so now Goa has uh, three Indian players, you know, Brendan is there, Princeton is there, now Neville is there. I think all three can play as a number 10 position, you know, and that's still the competition for the places at the club. And of course, they can play on the other positions also, but that's, I just wanted to know, you know, where you feel that he will be more comfortable. I uh, just want to ask about Ishan Pandita also. He came, I think he did a good job for FC Goa last season. Uh, what was it? Of course, he wanted more playing time. We have read about it. And then he, of course, went on to join Jamshedpur FC. Uh, we are, of course, he will be competing with uh, two foreigners centre-forward. So, what was the thought process, again, to sell him to Jamshedpur and, you know, kind of not replace him? So, you have Devinder, who was already part of the squad, playing in the centre-forward role. So, can you just shed some light on that? Yeah, I mean, it was a very simple uh, sort of process, to be honest. Uh, Ishan 
season finished expressed to us that he wanted to move because he felt like he needed to get more playing time. Uh, obviously, we as a club cannot guarantee playing time to anybody, whether it's an Indian or a foreigner. Um, everybody has to earn it on their merit. Um, but I do believe that some other clubs did approach Ishan and said, you know, possibly we can do that for you. So therefore, we said, okay. We never want to stand in the way of a player's if a player feels like he's best suited to go and play for another club, we will obviously uh, not stand in his way. Um, obviously, there is some compensation that has to be given back to the club because we were the fighter and brought the talent into the country and he has an active contract with us. Um, and once uh, Jamshekur expressed an interest and did so officially, uh, we asked them to, you know, sort of uh, put a fair valuation to it, which they did. And at that point in time, we felt like, okay, perhaps it's, we should take it in the everybody involved. Uh, FC Goa, Ishan, and Jamshedpur because everybody felt like it could be a win-win for all of them. And therefore, we decided to move uh, ahead with that. But we also did that in the confidence and fully well knowing that Devendra is somebody who every time he got an opportunity last year took it. Uh, I think you would have noticed in the Durant Cup as well, he's got an excellent eye for goals. Uh, and we felt like he was more than a capable replacement. Uh, and we will see more and more of him this season, I'm sure of. Uh, just one question on these kind of deals, you know, where the transfer fees involved. So in Europe, we know that player agent, there is a there are middlemen also to get the deal between the clubs. How does it work in ISL clubs where the transfer fees need to pay? Our clubs are talking to the uh, the other club directly, or the player agent is in between, uh, making sure the communication between the clubs are done through him. Yeah, uh, thankfully the ISL is not as murky as the English Premier League, where or any other European league where there's at least a hundred people involved between two clubs. Um, here we are fortunate enough that people are able to pick up the phone call, uh, the phone and speak directly to the counterpart at the different clubs. Um, and to be honest as well, even in Ishan's case as well, once sort of we had an understanding that perhaps he wanted to go in that direction, uh, Jamshedpur were pretty straightforward and picked the phone up on us and called us directly. And it was not taking very long for us to sort of come to a conclusion on the deal. So it's a simple phone call to be honest. So why make it a bigger process than it needs to be? And how, how do you put the value on the player? You know, that what is the uh, transfer fee you need to take or, you know, what you call compensation, but you can call it transfer fee also. So how do you put that value? Is it your decision? And or again, there is a committee of people who think that, you know, this is the ballpark figure. This is the lower limit. This is the upper limit. This is, the, this is something we should get for this particular yeah. player. There are clauses built in the players' contracts as well. A certain amount of release clause will be there, etc. and so forth as well, uh, which is obviously to deter clubs from going after the player unless they feel like he will add that full value. Those tend to be on the higher side. But also at the same time, we ask generally, we're seeing what the market is doing, what the market is pricing certain players at, and then we try and come to what we feel is a fair price. Like ultimately, if I go out and quote five crores for any of my Indian players, obviously I'm not going to get that, right? And is there an intention to sell in the first place? If you feel like there's an intention to sell and we feel like a fair value is being given and the player does not want to represent the club, then we feel we should try and find a situation where it's a win-win for everybody. Um, if you're interested in selling the player, trust me, I will never quote anything below five. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's interesting. So, I was just thinking about uh, how do you see that when we will see free agent Indian players uh, not getting signed, the the whole business is on the transfer fee and everything in Indian football. We still have now this season, there are more and more transfer fee were paid, you know, other clubs have done it, FC Go has done it. So how long do you see before we see this system fully get implemented? Of course, there will be free agent signing just like in Europe, but majority of the transfer business is done through the uh, transfers, not the free agent signing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're very far away because now almost all the squads have a settled system where all the players are signed up on long-term contracts. I mean, there's players signing four or five uh, and I think this five, which is the longest allowed. Most clubs have now signed players to that regard, right? So 
Now, if I want to go out and shop for a player who's very good, obviously the club is going to put a transfer fee in front of me, which you have to pick up and then make a decision on, etc. and so forth. So, I don't see how it's going to last very long. But obviously, cycles do end. There are players on a free agency thing. But again, it's about who's sharpest and who's fastest to the finger and ensuring that they get the player. But I don't think any club is now taking it so easy and letting players walk out for free. And they don't feel the need for the player. Um, and they feel it's a burden to have that player's salary on their books. But otherwise, every club, even if it's a marginal or a small minimal amount, there is always a transfer fee attached because now that is one way where you can move the system and the finances of the ecosystem around, right? Where, you know, there is movement of money. Okay. Uh, just, I understand, of course, club have not announced the uh, any signing uh, for Anwarli. They have just announced that he has joined the training. And what we understand, and I think we did an article that he is likely to sign 18 months deal with the FC Goa when the January transfer window opened. Uh, how did you guys convince him to join FC Goa? Because I, as you understand, there were at least two more ISL team who were uh, looking to get his signatures. And of course, again, he was under the long-term contract with Delhi FC. And this is kind of a win-win situation for all three parties. I also tweeted that, you know, uh, long-term, uh, 18 months, give Anwar Ali a good time to come back to the top-level football, train with FC Goa and then, you know, show the club what he's made of. Again, FC Goa gets a chance to see a play, player closely because... Till now, since he, he made his comeback, he was playing in the State League, then in Dural Cup, then in I-League Second Division, which is still a, a level below ISL. And for a club like Delhi FC, who kind of gave him chance and it's helped them to protect his value and, you know, get more suitors maybe once the 18 months loan get completed with FC Goa. Um, so, for Anwar, uh, our thing was pretty simple. Uh, we've been very transparent and open about the entire process with uh, Anwar and uh, his parent club from the very beginning. Uh, we felt like if the opportunity was given, he was a player who deserved to get a chance. Um, and yeah, when the AFF medical committee basically cleared him, we felt like we could go and speak to the player directly. Uh, we had kept an, uh, an eye on him and kept tabs with him and the club through the entire summer and also in the lead up from the beginning of the year. Uh, and I think they appreciated the fact that we were constantly in touch with them and they felt like, you know, we'd shown them and the player due credit and given him the due respect to, you know, just make sure that he was okay and everything and so forth. And when... We did place a formal offer in terms of, you know, letting him to come and train with us and then possibly extending that the loan deal subject to how he trains, etc. and everything. They were very open to that idea. Uh, we presented to them very clearly what our plan would be if he was to join us uh, as a player. Uh, we felt like we could only develop his skill uh, and, you know, make him a better player than what he would have been, say, if he didn't join us. Uh, and we hope that now that, you know, that will all translate, uh, translate into reality and He's begun training with the team as of a couple of days ago. Um, he has up until January to sort of, you know, get integrated with the team. And hopefully in January, um, he's done enough for the coaching staff to come back and tell us to, you know, sort of take him up on a long-term deal and see how best we can do with his talent and resources. So while we on the centre-back topics, uh, FC Goa already have Iban with them, which I understand clubs rates very highly. Uh, and we have, till now, have touched upon all the successful kind of uh, transfer deals or signing you guys have done. I just touch upon the uh, on Sana, so who is playing for Hyderabad FC, playing for national team. He was with, with FC Goa for a couple of seasons, you know. Do you yeah. think uh, the club would have maybe integrated him better so that you could have not, not needed a signing an Indian centre-back desperately as right now? Um, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, it's not just Sana as well. I do think there was at least about three or four players who unfortunately didn't get the playing time that I, I feel that they could have perhaps got, which would have convinced them to stay on with the club. I do, um, without wanting to mince any words, 
uh, have to put our hand up and say that I think they left because of lack of playing time at FC Goa and lack of opportunities. And that's obviously a, repeat, uh, a mistake that we do not want to repeat where we're trying to give as many youngsters a chance as possible. Uh, and yeah, definitely, I think Sana is somebody that we missed out on. And I'm glad that he's able to go to a club like Hyderabad where they've you know, valued uh, his skills and you know, have given him the playing time. And you know, I'm glad that he was able to make his national team debut thereafter. I understand that, you know, the reasons behind that these players not getting lack of time, uh, we can't mention here. And to just touch upon, so that was the important factor when say, bringing someone like Juan into the uh, charge of the club, you know, that you need to bring uh, these youngsters through. And just to, again, add on this question is how important role Goa Pro League uh, plays in the development of these players coming through FC Goa, preserve team, to senior team, you know, and how regularly, say, uh, uh, the head coach of the club uh, watches these Co-Pro League games. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, to go back to the thing, yes, Juan does have a mandate to try and develop young players as much as possible. But again, purely on the fact that the young players prove themselves and show that there is merit to them being given an opportunity. Uh, it's not a free-for-all that any young player that does pass through this ecosystem has to be played. Uh, they have to prove themselves capable of integrating into the team and so forth. And how does the Goa Pro League help? Uh, it helps immensely because it's consistent competition across the entire season where players are getting to play over and over again against perhaps players who are older than them, more experienced than them. It stands them in good stead because there, that is effectively the testing ground for us to be able to see them and work with them as much as possible. And then we try and fine-tune the skills before they make the step up to the first team. Yeah, so as we now running out of time. So I just want to ask about straight away a quick question on Red Bull Leipzig partnership with FC Goa. Uh, what we don't know about it till now, you know, we have read all the press releases club have sent. What both the clubs are, something they are working on new development which you don't know about till now? Yeah, so I mean, while we've uh, signed the agreement, I think a year and a half ago, what we didn't uh, uh, sort of take into account was COVID-19, right? Um, that has obviously hampered uh, big time our planning and thinking. Uh, we've had to reinvent how we wanted to work together. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, work on the social media sphere, etc. and everything and all that. But in the background also, we've been working with them a lot towards our uh, youth programs, grassroots programs, etc. and everything. So we are looking, hopefully, that once the borders open up, there will be a cross-exchange of technical knowledge. There might even be players traveling from India to R uh, RBL. There might be players coming from there to India to participate in a possible tournament. Uh, we're going to be considering uh, um, sort of uh, putting together some camps uh, across the country where we'll identify talent to possibly either send to Germany directly or they will come and trade with us first before we sort of, you know, uh, trim that uh, list a little further and send them across. So there is a lot in the pipeline. Again, this is all in planning phases and et cetera, anything quite simply because we have to reinvent all of our timelines based on the COVID-19 thing. Um, yeah. But I think some good things have come out of it. Uh, in the past year, for example, the national uh, soccer camps, the digital academy that we did create online has now gone into something which we are quite uh, consistently going to focus on a little bit more going down the line as well. Yeah. So let me also ask about what are, what are SGO plans for the women's team and the women's soccer in the state? Yeah. See, I mean, we want to treat and we are trying to push that uh, uh, sphere of the sport as much as possible. Uh, we do have a team that competes in the local league, but we don't feel that it's even close to enough amount of game time they should be getting. Uh, we are only playing four or five games a season. I don't think it's a sufficient competition at all. We are hopeful. We are trying to discuss with the GFA to try and make it a more expanded league, etc. and so forth. And we're trying to do whatever we can from our end to help with that process. Uh, we've also started doing work with the women's team in terms of encouraging more young girls to participate in our grassroots programs, etc. and so forth. Because once you start building that base 
and there is that hunger and demand for football at the older ages, then it becomes easier for us to integrate teams and etc. into the platform. And hopefully, once the Vedanta League, which is uh, well, the sponsors of the league and run by the GFA, kicks on, and there is a lot more teams and there is a more consistent playing period across the year rather than just one month or two months. We will then push hard to try and make sure that we are a team that does qualify for the IWL and hopefully the IWL also does expand into something even bigger. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's really it, to be honest. We do want to push this as much as possible. We're just hoping that the other stakeholders in the platform also push. And you, you told us, you know, that uh, as a club, you guys want to play AFC Champions League again. How was that experience to represent India in the AFC Champions League group stage, being the first club in India to do so? And, uh, of course, club kind of changed their playing style for the tournament. You know, they've, they've, they made sure that they don't concede many goals. We have seen Indian clubs going to the Asian competition, they're conceding lots of goals and losing match badly. And also kind of bringing negativity around Indian football. So what was the approach of FC Goa in the AFC Champions League group stage you guys played in Goa? And playing in Goa, did it, did it help you guys even if it's without fan? Um, I mean, our approach to the tournament was not very different from what we try and do in the league. We were just mindful of a couple of simple facts. One, that the other teams might be technically better than us. Uh, we'll have better quality players. Uh, we'll make less mistakes. So, therefore, we have to be compact as a team. So, if we defend as a unit, we have to not leave any spaces behind, not leave any spaces in between lines. And when we had the ball, we knew that we had to move it a little bit faster than, say, perhaps in the ISL, where there's room for you to sort of catch up, etc. and everything. Because there, the teams are unforgiving because if they steal a ball in transition and they do transition on you, they will definitely score right, for your quality of the players that uh, we were playing up against. So that was a small tactical adjustment that we made in terms of being mindful of the fact who we were playing against and also ensuring that we were compact across the lines. Um, and in terms of the experience, I think it was one of the best experiences that the club has had in general. A lot of the senior players as well within the team, the Indian players have been around for quite a while were incredibly impressed with sort of the approach to the entire tournament, how the other teams were, what sort of professional standards were set, etc. and everything. And that, I think, is what remained with us. And to be completely honest, before the tournament began, had you offered, say, three points or four points or whatever it is that we did pick up in the tournament, uh, I would have definitely signed on a piece of paper saying, I'll take this for sure because it would have been considered a success. But after having played that tournament, we do feel like we have some unfinished business there and we'll try and get back there as much as, much and as soon as possible. Uh, to try and sort of, you know, uh, amend where we felt like we didn't do enough uh, in the last time that we did participate. So, last question for you, Ravi. Uh, it's basically on the uh, four foreigners rule, which is coming into ISL this season, likely to be three plus one foreigner maybe in the upcoming season. Then there are, uh, of course, possibilities were there last season also, but there are possibility of next season having 26, I think 30 games per team if there is 11 team in the league, you know, playing each team three times. So, thoughts on these and uh, how you guys preparing for these changes in the upcoming season in Indian Super League and Indian Football? Yeah, so I mean, none of these are confirmed so far, um, but we are preparing for all eventualities and scenarios. I think uh, it's a very welcome move that the league is going to be expanded into a much bigger competition where it's at least 30 games per season. Uh, just give more exposure to the players, etc. and everything and so forth. And obviously, reducing the number of foreigners only means consequently increasing the number of opportunities for Indians. So, again, that's a welcome move. But I do feel like at a certain point, we do have to take stock of the fact that the quality of the league does not drop too much. So, we should be mindful of how many foreigners we keep dropping at a certain point in time. Maybe there is a period where, say, to make a change, you let some teams can also work with as a base from rather than work as thinking and strategy based on uh, sort of the year that it's on because every year we cannot keep changing and expect clubs to adapt uh, at a consistent base. And obviously, the one thing that everybody's looking for is stability. 
Yeah. So just last question, you studied in UK, worked in UK also, and then I think went on to work in Malaysia also. How, how that experience have helped you in this current role at FC Goa or the last few years roles at FC Goa? Yeah, I mean, I didn't work in Malaysia. I used to live there. Uh, but working in UK, in Spain, etc., there's one thing that uh, made me sort of very cognizant of is that we are all from different cultures. Uh, we have very different mentalities. Uh, so it's just about trying to find that synchrony where all of us feel like we're at home. Um, so the one thing that I've always tried to do in my position uh, when I work with the team is to ensure that the players feel comfortable first. Uh, as humans, they feel like they can approach any one of us. There's no hierarchy where he's inapproachable or he's approachable, etc. Nothing like that. We try and work on a very transparent system where a player feels at home. Once a player feels at home and he's comfortable off the field, uh, I do believe the performance will automatically show up on the field. Uh, and that has generally been my approach to everything. And that stemmed from the fact that I've had the uh, opportunity to be able to work and live in different countries where it's just broadened my horizons in terms of understanding what the world is all about. Uh, so that's wrap ups uh, our today's episode of Kane Law Beyond the Score. Uh, let's now take a moment to thank Ravi for spending his time with us amidst his busy schedule and you know preparing for the upcoming season. And I hope that uh, all the best for Ravi and for Ravi's team for the upcoming season. Thank you so much, Ravi, for joining us. Uh, wishing both you and FC FC Goa all the very best for the upcoming season. Thanks, Ashish. My pleasure. I hope I've added some insight into what the fans are. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks.